This is a podcast from the Harvard John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Here at SEAS, we love science. We're a science school, but we get it. Science can be scary and intimidating. We think that because we don't understand the words being used, that we're not smart enough to understand it. Well, frankly, that's bull. Scientific language, like any other, can be translated. You just need a translator. Hi, I'm Leah Burrows, science communicator here at SEAS, and I'll be your translator. So each episode, I'm going to sit down with one of our researchers, and we're going to talk about a recent paper, and we're going to break down the most egregious perpetrator of jargon warfare in all of science, the title of a scientific paper. Because if you can understand the title of a paper, the whole thing stops being scary and starts being cool and exciting all of the things we love about science. So let's give it a shot. And thanks for listening. I am here with Hetchin Ren, a soon-to-be six-year graduate student in Amiria Kobe's physics lab. Hetchin, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so today we're getting quantum. And I know that can be scary for some people because, well, because quantum mechanics is weird and spooky and doesn't really make sense in the way that we think about the world. But we're talking about very basic particles here. We're talking about electrons, the things that run your computers and your smartphones and your dishwashers and your vacuum cleaners. So let's just start there. What interests you about electrons? So for all those devices, we're using the charge aspect of electron. But at the same time, electrons also have spin, which we are not using at the current moment for classical computing. How would you harness electron spin for computing? Yeah, so instead of uh, just zero and one, you have a whole what's called a block sphere, which is a two-dimensional sphere uh, given to you that's all the states you can occupy with a single electron spin. Sort of like a gyroscope I have in my head. Yes, it's a quantum gyroscope. Quantum gyroscope. <laughs> yes. You can put, say, zero on the south pole and one on the north pole. And any state in the middle on, the, on this whole two-dimensional sphere is the superposition of zero and one. And this is the magic that enables us to do parallel quantum computing because you can solve many problems at the same time if you superpose them. So in this research, you guys are, are not only interested in controlling and understanding the spin of an electron, but also integrating spin into a superconductor. Yeah, so for the electronic community, people are already using uh, superconductivity to integrate into their circuit because what's really cool about superconductivity is is uh, dissipationless, is zero energy, but you can't use those in spintronics because um, any conventional superconductor that at least we use, you can't transport any spin through this supercurrent. And here we get into the crux of how a superconductor works. So it's easy to imagine a superconductor as an electron superhighway, but it's actually more like an electron carpool lane. Because in order for an electron to carry a supercurrent through a conductor, it has to have a buddy. It has to be in a pair. And when these electrons pair up in a superconductor, two things happen. First, they orbit each other in a perfectly symmetric circle. And second, they spin 
opposite each other. So when you measure the momentum of the pair, it will be zero because the orbit is a perfect circle and doesn't lean in one direction or the other. And when you measure the spin, it will also be zero because each electron is spinning opposite each other. Yeah, and they're tied together. If the spatial part is zero momentum, then the spin part it has to be anti-symmetric. So then the total spin it possesses is zero. So if you want an electron pair to carry spin through a superconductor, you first have to change how they orbit each other, change the momentum. Yeah. So give it a finite momentum. Such that we can have a finite spin component to the wave function. Well, I think that gives us enough information to get to the title. The title of this paper is "Controlled Finite Momentum Pairing and Spatially Varying Order Parameter in Proximatized HGTE Quantum Wells." <laughs> what a title! So let's still keep in mind. So the question that you guys are trying to figure out is how to carry spin information through a superconductor. And with that in mind, let's let's start breaking this down. So let's start at the end. What's a quantum well? It's like a few nanometer thin、uh, place for electrons to move around. So it's basically confined to a two dimensional plane. Rather than moving in three dimensions, the, the reason it's called a well is because it's sandwiched between some very、uh, insulating material. So it's like some well in the middle which stores water, right? So it's like a two-dimensional electron trap. Exactly. Yes.、Yeah. And you make it out of mercury telluride. And the reason we choose mercury telluride is because、uh, mercury is a heavy element, which means the the outer shell electrons are going to be moving at very high speed. Almost relativistic speed. So this is one of those weird things that combines relativity and quantum. Yeah,、physics. exactly. Yeah. So, so it's it's the it's relativity in an atom. Really, it's the electrons on the outer shell of an atom looking at the electric field, and because it's moving at relativistic speed, it sees a magnetic field, and the spin is going to couple to that. So that's how the spin and the orbit of electrons couple to each other. Okay, so this is a. Proximatized mercury telluride quantum well. What does proximatized mean? Proximatized comes from proximity effect. So it's when you put anything near a superconductor. So in the immediate surrounding of that superconductor, it's gonna see that the effect of these Cooper pairs leaking out. So if you have another piece of superconductor not too far away. Then Cooper pairs can tunnel in the middle region, although the middle region isn't superconducting. So the Cooper pairs can travel from one piece of superconductor to the other one, even、And、if the material in the middle isn't superconducting. It can be insulating even. So essentially, what you're doing is you're sandwiching this mercury telluride well between two superconductors. Yes, in our case, aluminum is what we use. And that makes it so the non-superconducting material can still carry a superconducting current. Yeah. So just by proximity, you can transport supercurrent through whatever is in the middle. Okay. So the electrons are moving through the carpool lane, and when they're in this aluminum superconductor, they have zero spin and zero momentum. Yes. What happens when it leaves the superconductor? At the time it leaves one bank of one superconductor and enters the mercury telluride region, is where it sees this spin orbit coupling. It has to dance to the quantum state of mercury telluride now, and the orbit changes. Yeah, and, and it acquires a finite momentum, and that then frees up 
the spin to do... Yeah, to change from this absolute zero state, the singlet state, to having a superposition of singlet and triplet state. That's spin and no spin. Exactly, yes. Okay, so we've worked through finite momentum pairing and proximatized HGTE quantum wells. What's spatially varying order parameter? It's, it's, a, it's a property. It's, it contains all the information of the superconducting wave function. It has a spin part and it has the momentum part. So this uh, order parameter is really going somewhere on the block sphere and it's, it's moving its position from zero, from the south pole to the north pole continuously Back in space. In, in space, way. yes. Yeah. Right. So it's as the wave goes, it's going from singlet to triplet to singlet to triplet. And then what happens when it hits the other superconductor on the other side? That's the key part where we measure. Uh, so if by the time it reaches the other end, it's a singlet is purely a singlet, then we observe no effect. The supercurrent goes through as if nothing happened. But if it's mostly a uh, triplet wave function at that point uh, in in the spin part, then uh, you see no supercurrent because the other superconductor being conventional itself doesn't accept any pairs that doesn't have this requirement of the spin of the spin configuration. So it, it, we would measure no supercurrent. So that seems to when I think about that, I instantly sort of think of like a gate in a typical. Yeah, yeah circuit board right so you're observing it at the gate so the you can see that the two parts of the tile really ties together um is it's really the reason you have a spatially varying order parameter is because uh, in the microscopic cooper pairs you see this finite momentum coming in and that allows the whole wave function to oscillate and you can control how it oscillates yes the wavelengths that it Various in space is controlled by this knob that we have. Okay, so moment of truth. How would you translate this title into everyday language? I have to think about that one. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, a superconductor whose pairs changes its spin as it travels. I think this allows us to combine superconductivity uh, with spintronics to harness like the low power, the, the zero energy dissipation of supercurrents. Super I think this opens a lot of doors to uh, low power, uh, low dissipation spintronic applications. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Hetchen, thank you so much for coming by and explaining your paper to me. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Quantum isn't that scary. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a podcast from the Harvard John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. 